everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, November 2nd, 2014. When is someone, anyone, going to notice that Nikki is lit up, that she's walking around town completely sloshed? Even a child can see that she's popping mints like they're candy. She's trying to have a little grandmother, granddaughter moment with Faith at the very beginning of the week, and she can't stop popping the breath mints in her mouth, and Faith is like, why are you eating so much candy? (laughs) If a child can notice this, why can no one else? It drives me insane. I'll give you, okay, maybe they can't smell it on her breath. Maybe. (laughs) But... At the end of the day, is no one noticing the personality change here? Is no one noticing that she's going out of her way to ha- to hide things? That she's it always seems like she's being secretive off in the corner taking a swig. It's it's ridiculous to me that no one in her life is noticing this. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's because no one's paying enough attention to her that she's doing it in the first place. I don't know. I just don't know. All I know about this relationship between Victor and Nikki is that he's not happy about the fact that she was involved in the sting operation to capture Ian Ward, but Victor at the same time is not complaining about the fact that Ian Ward is now behind bars. He was off in another country while all of this is going down. He was so concerned about Nikki's safety, the guy broke into the ranch and tried to needle her, and then Victor kind of abandons her leaves her for days and days and days. They're not communicating with one another. He comes back at least, at least Ian Ward is behind bars. It's clearly far more about the fact that Victor's jealous that Nikki now has this relationship with Paul. It was about how could Paul put you in this type of danger and how could you do this and not tell me. It's Victor feeling slighted and isolated that he's not up in every single little detail of everything. I really think that the opportunity was missed out to have the final showdown between Victor and Ian Ward. That was what I wanted to see. It was all well and good to see Paul and Nikki and and, and Dylan give him the big kiss off, but I really wanted to see Victor go head to head, and it kind of feels like Victor just dropped the ball on all of this and now he's mad about not being involved mad that Nikki's been lying to him well it's not that much different than all of the other times that he's lied to her time and time again this is the pattern of their relationship oh but this time the shoe is on the other foot Victor so it's not okay I see how it is so they have this huge argument, another, in a, in a series of huge, nasty arguments. Um, she storms out of the room and he finds her AA pamphlet. So it's kind of indicative that Nikki's trying. She wants to get better. She And she even said to Faith, you know, I'm. she said something like, I'm sick, but I'm trying to get better. Uh, yeah, she explained it that the medication she's taking leaves a bad taste in her mouth, so that's why she's eating all the mints. <laughs> I mean, alcohol is very much her medication at this point, but she's clearly trying to get back on track by the evidence by the fact that she has the AA pamphlet, but 
After she leaves the room, Victor finds the AA pamphlet sitting on the desk. He picks it up and looks at it with this wide open mouth look, but then nothing for the rest of the week. <laughs> I mean, later in the week, a couple episodes later, Victor's sitting there pondering over those paternity results. He's got the the, the Nick's wine glass and, and Faith's hairbrush, and he's sitting there thinking about it. Well, Victor, hey, why don't we try focusing on one clue at a time, okay? Or maybe Sharon's big secret is that Nikki's off the wagon. We've got a new lab set. Yay! <laughs> it even says lab on the door, so you know that it's the lab. I love it. It's um, at Jabot. They've remodeled their uh, their laboratory um, in anticipation of this new product. Uh, do you guys remember the old lab? There was a lot of scenes in the old chemistry lab back in the 90s with uh, Ashley, and she had a, an assistant his name's on the tip of, tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But Ashley used to spend a lot of time in the in the lab, and we hadn't seen it in a while. And now here it is, freshly remodeled. Very nice, very bright. The old lab was kind of dank. <laughs> but you get the idea with this one that it's fresh, it's well lit. You've got all of the jars half filled with color colored water <laughs> all along the, the walls and the frosted doors and the little little um, testing stations and desk and office and it's just fresh. I love it. We even got the, uh, the the hallway extension. I don't I think they kind of revealed that in an episode a little bit later in the week that you can walk out into the hallway. There's a lab number two. I don't know if we'll get to see both labs or what. Maybe while someone's making love in one lab, someone can be actually working in the other. But we got this long hallway with these beautiful pictures and even old Jabot ads on the wall, which I think could have been more. I would have loved to have seen, like instead of the flower picture on the opposite wall of the Jabot ad, more Jabot ads. Like, oh, why not? Please go back and create like old glow by Jabot ads and or, um, Beauty of Nature was Newman Enterprises. I don't know, whatever the different products have been that uh, that, that uh, Jubot has made over the years. Please, please, please make those posters up and put that in the hallway as sort of a throwback history to the, the history of Jubot, what the company actually is. It's headed in the right direction. You know, I love business storylines. I think the fact that they went ahead and built us a lab set is saying we're gonna get some sense of Jabot as a business from now on, and I love that. I, I want them to take it even a step further. I think this is really cool. I wish Newman Enterprises would build a, a similar set. We got Victoria's office, so it's kind of clear where we're, we're headed here. Uh, as to if you can judge the storyline by the sets that have been built. Now Victoria's got her new office, we've got the lab, and as soon as Ashley was on the phone in the first scene of the new lab, she's talking to somebody about how um, the security system hasn't been installed yet, but they're working on it. I knew something was up. I'm like, oh, corporate espionage. They're going to have security in this area, but it doesn't happen to be fully functional yet, as also clear by the fact that 
anyone can get in. <laughs> anyone. I mean, Victoria bumbles in right away. She's the head of their number one most rivaled company, and she just walks right in to their development room. It's so inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, ugh, she had, they, of course, they have a personal relationship, but Ashley needs to be very, very wary. I mean, Victoria acts like it's all innocent, but she totally was thumbing through things on the desk. She picked up a folder. She could easily find out what the big secret is, so Ashley needs to stay on top of her. Ashley does catch her in the lab, and they have... What's what's a surprising, I think, a surprisingly friendly conversation. I would have thought Ashley would have said, okay, I'm going to usher you out of my secret lab now, and anything personal that we need to talk about, we can talk about in another room or in the hallway or in my office or whatever. Um, Victoria does not need to be nosing around the top secret uh, lab. <laughs> but instead... Ashley was very kind with her. It, it really seemed that... I don't know. Victoria was there to get questions... Or, excuse me, to get... It's it's very early in the morning. I haven't even had my coffee yet. So forgive me if I'm a little extra scattered. But Victoria was there to ask Ashley some questions about Stitch. And Ashley seems very giving with answers. I, I think Ashley has a crush on Stitch. And she wants to have a potential relationship with him, but she doesn't want to get him by default. I think she really wants to help this decision uh, be made without her pushing too much, because I, I think Ashley ultimately would like to see Victoria with her brother raising the baby, and I think Ashley would like to have Stitch for herself, <laughs> which is actually kind of how I would like things to be. Uh, but Ashley was very kind to Victoria, giving her you know, as much information as she can. Um, she, after Victoria leaves the lab, Ashley has a conversation with Stitch where she reveals she was the one who bailed him out of jail. I suppose I should have guessed that, but I didn't. I'm a little mad at myself for that. But she bailed him out, and not only that, but she wants to take him on a business trip. Uh, she really, I think she really does want him, but I think she's hoping he comes to her without the aid of the um, without the aid of the love potion. I mean, come on, YNR has been kind of building the Ashley Stitch relationship since before Eileen Davidson was even on the show. It, they had little little flirtatious moments before she even came back full time. So it, it it works for me. I hope that it, that's the direction it's headed in. I'd like to see Billy be the father of Victoria's baby. Or, you know what? Even if it, I don't know, even if it is Stitch, I just want to see Ashley and Stitch together. Because I, in the moments in the hotel room <laughs> where Ashley and Stitch are having this little business arrangement, I wonder if it was the same hotel room that Devon and Hillary were staying at. Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Ashley comes into his room and oh oh I'm so sorry I just happened to have my shirt off oh here let me take care of that he's you know shirtless in the room and they're kind of flirtatious and they've now kissed but Ashley's trying to almost be um a kind 
I guess it comes off as just kind and caring overseer of Stitch and, and his situation. But I, I felt more for Stitch in the few brief scenes that he's had with Ashley than I really ever have with him and Victoria or even like him kissing Abby. It, the, the Ashley-Stitch connection it just works for me. I hope that's how it ultimately works out. Um, he, they're kind of talking back and forth about uh, Stitch's father. It's clear that Stitch is ready to tell the truth. I mean, we've been theorizing for weeks that Maureen was the one who actually killed her husband and Stitch was taking the blame for her. I think it was obvious. We all kind of know it. And now it's time to see Stitch struggling with whether or not he should tell Victoria the information that will probably help him get her back and build a life with her or um, continue to keep the secret to protect his mother. So he's really at a crossroads. And by the way, Maureen seems fairly confident that he is going to keep her secret. But I don't know. He's been going back and forth with Ashley. Ashley's trying to tell him, hey, I understand uh, what your situation is. It's kind of funny because um, Ashley had said or alluded to a couple weeks ago about how she was uh, put in jail for attempted murder. And I immediately thought, oh, well, she's talking about um, her father, how she was protecting her father from murder charges, uh, where I got quite a few comments where people were saying, no, no, no. Ashley was talking about, um, how she got thrown in jail after Tucker was hit, but she did say in the hotel room that she was talking about her father. Um, and I think the reason, even though it is true she went to jail with Abby, I think the reason why YNR was highlighting that moment is because it was her protecting a parent. It really is the same situation. Ashley didn't want to see John go to jail for Tom's death, so she pretended that she was the one who killed him, and she ended up getting arrested. And although it didn't work out, quite the same way as it did with Stitch, uh, she is able to identify with him and give him a little bit of advice. And he said at the end of their conversation, you've helped me make my decision. I don't know what that is. I, I, I watched that scene twice and I was trying to get a sense of what he's going to do. And I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what the truth is, or, or I'm sorry, I don't know what, what his plan is. Um, Victoria, is ready to hear the truth. Uh, she um, ends up overhearing Dylan talking to Stitch, and Stitch is telling him about how the information he has could change everything. And so Victoria approaches him and says, I can't really picture my life raising a baby with a man who has lied and who has murdered someone. So if there is something that you need to tell me, please tell me. Stitch almost immediately hops up and runs over to his mother's room where Nikki and Maureen are there. Um, uh, Nikki's kicking back another room temperature vodka. Ugh. <laughs> I can't imagine anything more vile than room temperature vodka. Blech. It's just, that's awful. But they're in there. Again, Maureen is, uh, she's the devil there. She's she's constantly offering Nikki the drink. She's the tempter. It, it cannot be a coincidence. I'm sorry. If someone told me even once, yeah, I don't really drink, and, and, and clearly was hesitant about the idea of, 
of taking the drink, you know, me being not a manipulator, I would sense that about her and I would not offer anymore. But no, no, no. Maureen is constantly there to offer Nikki another drink. And Nikki's constantly unable to resist the urge. So Nikki's there drinking, um... A stitch knocks at the door, and Nikki says, oh, I can't be seen. She runs off, uh, as a matter of fact, she kind of, like, takes her drink, <laughs> scurries off into the bathroom. I loved that Nikki didn't set the drink down. The drink came with her. <laughs> like, it was, it was a travel mug, and she just takes her, her drink in her bag and runs into the, uh, <laughs> into the bathroom, and she's just probably still sipping away, listening to this conversation. Ben comes in and is telling his mom, I don't want to lie anymore about killing my father. And Nikki overhears all of this in, enough to uh, understand what had happened. I mean, even though it has not been expressed that Maureen was the one who killed him, it's certainly now been expressed that Ben did not. So as soon as they're, they're having this argument and Ben is saying, please, I, I want to tell the truth. And Maureen is like, no, absolutely not. You need to continue to keep this secret. It's what's best. I'm not even going to talk about this with you right now. She shuffles him right back out the door. Well, Nikki comes in and says, what was that all about? I mean, if Ben didn't kill his father, who did? Um, I, you know, I, I want you to tell me the truth because this man may be the father of my daughter's child. So my daughter deserves to know the truth. And Maureen, her response was was very, um, it was kind of villainous. She said, you know, well, Nikki, I've, I've kept your secret and I, I trust that you will keep my confidence as well. So it's, it's, it's more about, look, you overheard what you overheard, but don't think that you're going to go telling anybody because I have goods on you. And it was very subtle, but it was quite clear what the score was. So Nikki had to kind of say, all right, all right, leave the room. And she immediately calls Victoria, wants to tell her what this news is, but doesn't. And later in the week, Victoria is again in the lab. Was it this? I think it was a Another day or a follow-up time, Victoria was in the lab. And Maureen happens to be in there, too. They need to get this security locked down. People cannot uh, just be wandering in off the street. At least get a lock on the door. <laughs> I'm not going to complain too much because I like the lab set. But uh, Victoria and Maureen happen to run into each other at the lab. They're both looking for Stitch. And Victoria really nails down Maureen, wants to know the truth, uh, and, and has kind of an idea. I think Victoria gets that there's more to that story and that Stitch didn't really do it and that he's covering for someone. Victoria just wants to hear it. She wants to hear it from somebody's mouth. It has to be more than a suspicion that she's going to base her life on. So uh, Victoria is really needling Maureen and Maureen is saying, you know, I'm, I'm you know, she's not going to give her the details that she's looking for. Um, in fact, all Maureen really said was, <laughs> Benji's a good man. He's Benji now, <laughs> by the way. In case you didn't realize, or, or in case you missed the note, Ben is... Stitch is now Ben is now Benji. <laughs> 
I think we should just all call him Benji from now on. I kind of like it. It's a, it's a little endearing. Um, and I, I, I like the actress who plays Maureen. I think she's doing a really good job. And she says, you know, the only thing you need to know about Benji is that he's a good man. He really is. Even as a child, he was always concerned about other people and about doing the right thing. And that's all you need to know. And I think Victoria gets the message loud and clear. She's not going to give me the details, but there's more to the story, and he didn't do it. Uh, Victoria calls Nikki on the phone right after this happened, and, and she's, you know, saying, I sensed that there was more uh, in your voicemail that you wanted to, or was it a voicemail, or I think it was a voicemail, that you wanted to tell me, uh, and I, I'm, I'm ready. I want, I want to know the truth. But my question is, what exactly... Is it, you know, beyond the information that Victoria is looking for? Is Victoria looking for justification that it was okay to sleep with Ben in the first place, which ended up leading uh, to, you know, in, at least in part, the downfall of her marriage? Or is Victoria looking for a reason to allow herself to love him now? Okay, Billy and Chelsea were kind of adorable <laughs> with their Halloween costumes and their little family. Chelsea's dressed up as, uh, what was it, Little Bo Peep? And her son, uh, Connor, was a little lamb. He was cute as the little lamb. <laughs> that did touch my heart a little bit. And then um, Billy got a monkey costume for Johnny. It's adorable that they both have children, young children, and that they're finding some solace in one another. Um, both Billy and Chelsea have been through a loss within the past year, and it's, I think, interesting that they're finding some lightheartedness within one another. Uh, they have, you know, some things in common, and, and I do, I do enjoy their relationship, even though I think I'd like to see Billy ultimately back with Victoria. For now, though, um, they're trying to move on. It's kind of funny because Billy is in the process of moving into Chelsea's condo, and Jill even stops by, very enraged that Billy would even be considering moving in with the woman who was married to the man who killed his daughter. But she said something interesting that, that was, you know, if, if you find out that you're the father of Victoria's baby... All of this that you're doing right now is going to be moot. So no matter how much you claim that you uh, love Chelsea and are ready to move on with Chelsea, if that baby that Victoria is carrying is yours, you're going to forget about this in about a heartbeat. And I think that's what Chelsea's maybe worried about too, but they almost seem like they're both in kind of a limbo uh, sort of stage. They enjoy each other's company, and what they're doing now, being together, feels good now, and the future will be what it may. Um, they're, they are both attempting to move on. Billy's moving into Adam's condo, being a fatherly, taking on a fatherly role to Adam's son. He's not about to sleep on Adam's mattress too. <laughs> so 
he has that, that like his rule number one is I got to get this mattress out of here. I'm not about to sleep in the bed <laughs> where Adam slept. I mean, it's hard enough to think about her even being with this monstrous man, uh, let alone sleeping in his bed. So um, it's Adam is the third person in this relationship still. Um, and now they're in this house together. So it's kind of been difficult for them both. Billy requests that uh, Chelsea give make a little room for him uh, in a drawer. She goes to a drawer, um, pulls out that handkerchief. It was a gift that uh, Adam gave to Chelsea. It was his mother's handkerchief. And it was um, something that Adam had planted in the house a couple months ago when he had that guy sneak it in um, to kind of remind her. So this handkerchief is something that's very precious. It is representative of their relationship. And beyond that, it's a family heirloom. So she sees it and naturally has a very strong reaction to it and surprised me by taking this handkerchief to a church where she lights a candle and begins to have a, a monologue uh, where she's talking out loud to Adam. And in fact, she is saying goodbye to him, that, you know, she you know, she loves him, but it's time for her to move on. And, and it, it was very um, symbolic. She, she takes the handkerchief, she leaves it on top of the altar, and she walks away from that part of her life. Um, I, I was very shocked that she did that. First of all, didn't you maybe want to save that family heirloom for Connor? It was his grandmother's. I, I imagine they have very few things. He has no, he, he doesn't have, he's never going to really know his father, and um, he certainly doesn't really know his grandmother. It, I thought it, I, I, I didn't like that she gave that away. I, obviously, it was something that was hers, but it, I don't know, it bothered me. Put it in another drawer or something. Don't just leave it there. Oh, but, never fear. <laughs> Just as Chelsea is turning around and, and leaving the chapel, uh, uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous, a hooded woman <laughs> comes in and picks up the handkerchief that was left, and a couple of episodes later, Chelsea receives an envelope that uh, can, she picks it up and it contains the handkerchief. The handkerchief has returned to her. <laughs> So much uh, anticipation and questions around who this hooded woman is. We got a very clear view of her face. It wasn't anyone that I recognized, uh, but I will tell you right now exactly who that woman was. I don't, this is my, this is my alley theory, but I feel very strong in it. I believe that is the woman who killed Delia. I mean, I've, I've been looking for who is it going to be? I mean, we all know Adam's going to come back. He's not going to have been guilty of Delia's murder, and it's not going to be any other character on the show. So what we need now is the, uh, the fall person. And I think that's who she is. I think this woman has been feeling guilty about the fact that she ran over Delia the entire time. She watched the whole thing play out, but the, and maybe she was even going to come forward, but then when Adam died, she decided, no, I just better not. But now that Adam is going to be coming back, I think we're going to be seeing more of this mystery room, woman. I think she's going to play a very key role in uh, helping Adam prove his innocence.
Kelly bursts into Jack's office and she is pressing him to make a decision now. There's no reason to, to wait any longer. You need to make a choice. It's either Phyllis or me and there's no more delaying. I want your answer. Choose now. And she was very forceful about it and it kind of made me respect her a little bit more. She has been hanging out on the sidelines. She has not pressured him. She has not really tried to contact him. She has not chosen to fight for him. And so it made me respect her a little bit that she made that decision. However, I don't think it's going to work out the way she thinks it's going to. Um, it's such an impassioned speech that that she gives and this relationship has clearly had no closure whatsoever so there's a lot of passion in the room the the relationship did not it was not allowed to run its course not neither jack's relationship with kelly or his relationship with phyllis was really truly allowed to run its natural course both were interrupted so it's it, it, there was a there's clearly a lot of passion in, in, in both ways they're they're both very unresolved and Kelly's speech is so genuine that Jack can't help but just move in and give her a huge kiss. He is someone who is driven by passion and he just scoops her up in his arms and kisses her and then jumps right on top of her on the couch. <laughs> right there in his office. I knew as soon as I'm like, I'm watching Jack. <laughs> With his butt up in the air, he's just like hunched over on top of Kelly. I'm like, oh lord, someone's gonna walk in. Who's it gonna be? I just hope it's not Phyllis, because that would be a horrible way for her to find out. No, it was Avery. Uh, and she, as a matter of fact, was kind of wanting to talk to Jack about the whole triangle herself. I mean, everybody is looking at Jack to make a decision now. Um, so it's, it's an awkward moment, Avery seeing Jack on top of Kelly. Uh, they both get up and Kelly's just so happy that he chose her that she skips out of there and says, well, we can finish this later, Jack. And they have another kiss and she leaves and then he has a conversation with Avery. But back to Kelly, I don't think that Jack kissing her uh, was a cho was a decision. That doesn't seem like a decision to me. That seems like a delay tactic. I think Jack very much does not know what he's going to do. I think his best case scenario is to wait it out and, and, and see where it all goes. And I, I, it, he didn't say to Kelly, I choose you. I want to be with you. He kissed her, jumped on top of her. And Kelly took that as, oh, great, we're going to be back together. I, I just don't think so. And I, I think... Jack, I saw a preview from next week where Jack is telling somebody that it's time to tell Phyllis about Kelly. I don't think he's going to do it. I think it's, I think that's, you know, a, a YNR teaser. I just don't see this working out for Kelly the way she thinks it's going to. And, uh... Jack is kind of getting on my nerves. He's only got maybe another couple weeks before I'm going to start to turn on him. He's going to need to make a decision soon. Uh, it's not fair to Kelly. Not to mention, 
it is categorically unfair to keep the truth about Kelly and, and frankly, the fact that the, the truth about everything from Phyllis. She's not a withering flower. I don't understand why everybody's like, oh, no, 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 we can't tell Phyllis anything. Why? It makes no sense to me. She's going to find out sooner or later. So why postpone it and make yourself end up looking like a liar? You, their, their whole thing is tell her nothing, tell her nothing, tell her nothing. Rather than maybe at least giving her little seeds, you're going to have to tell her. So you need to start prepping. Plus, Jack, how is she going to feel when she finds out that you've been lying to her the entire time? That the whole time you've got her in your house and you're trying and, and you're allowing her to believe that she's your fiance. You've got another woman on the side that you're smooching in your office. How is Phyllis going to feel when she finds out about that? Well, I can tell you she's not going to feel loved. She's not going to feel respected and she's not going to feel wanted. It's not going to work out in your favor. <laughs> Just tell her. I mean, I understand, you know, Jack even had a line where he said, I kind of get the feeling, I think he said this to Avery, I kind of get the feeling that Phyllis has got something she's keeping from me too. Well, I mean, at least Phyllis has got an excuse for not telling Jack her suspicions about Summer's paternity. Uh, busting Sharon would just be too much fun to resist. It seems like the only people who are actually telling Phyllis anything about the events of the last year are peripheral people, um, you know, in her life. You know, she's always find it seems like she's always finding out the truth just from somebody random and not from the main people in her life who should be protecting her and helping her through the process of what it's going to mean to learn the truth. It's not just about keeping the secret. You're going to have to dip her toes in the water, you guys. Uh, Avery did end up um, kind of accidentally giving her some information. Um, she was trying to explain about the situation with Austin and uh, Phyllis is struggling to accept this boy. And uh, Avery's trying to explain it. She lets slip that, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that kid we grew up with, Dylan, remember how we all knew him our entire lives? Yeah, well, his biological parents weren't really his biological parents. In fact, they just happen to be Paul and your ex-mother-in-law. What do you know? <laughs> uh, then leave it to Abby to fill in some more blanks for Phyllis about Mariah and the fact that Cassie had a twin. I loved the line where Phyllis said, Ugh, only Sharon could not know that she had twins. It was, it was very funny and representative of the rivalry. Uh, last At the end of last week, the show ended with... Uh, Phyllis showing up at Sharon's door, pretending, you know, saying she knows everything. That whole visit was cryptic at best. It, it seems like Phyllis is constantly saying, you know, I know. Or actually, it feels like everyone on the show is saying, I know what you did. And then it's it's never that. That's the same reason why I know Jack isn't going to tell Phyllis next week. Because YNR is just teasing right now. That's all they're doing is teasing. <laughs> but I think next week is probably going to be a very big week. The telltale signs are there that the truth about Sharon is about to come out. Uh, Phyllis steals Summer's phone and sends a text uh, message to meet uh, for, to, to Nick on Summer's behalf uh, to meet him. And she's clearly just trying to get Nick out of the way so that the fun with Sharon can begin.
Nick and Sharon are preparing for their Halloween re-wedding, second try, <laughs> version 2.0. <laughs> um, it's It's been a good week for Nick and Sharon fans. I did, I do like the idea of the Halloween wedding, whether it ends up happening or not. Uh, I did laugh when Mariah shows up at the door and there, she's, it's Halloween, so she's dressed in this all white hooded thing and Sharon opens it up and Mariah's just standing there spookily and Sharon thinks it's Cassie's ghost. Oh Lord, what is that gonna? What is that old trick gonna be over? We need to move past that. I really do think we need to move past the Sharon seeing Cassie's ghost or thinking Cassie's ghost is there. Because even later in the week, Cassie's ghost did show up, and you know it's Cassie's ghost because she's in a pink fuzzy sweater. Mariah is in more dramatic colors, but it's Cassie because it's pink and innocent. <laughs> Ready to be done with all that. But I gotta ask you guys, <laughs> what the hell was Mariah's costume supposed to be? Was she just supposed to be a giant marshmallow? I don't know. It was not attractive. I felt kind of bad for her because how old do you think Mariah's supposed to be? Probably college age. Girls of that age want to wear sexy Halloween costumes. Not... Giant, puffy, I mean, what was the material? I don't even know. Hooded, white, ridiculously giant, oversized, couldn't possibly be less attractive <laughs> Halloween costume materials. I, it just, I, 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 I didn't get it whatsoever. Uh, Faith's little costume was cute. I guess they just needed to both be hooded. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I loved that Mariah took Faith up to the, the main house to do trick-or-treating with Victor. And um, <laughs> Victor, they must have some kind of new cook because Victor said, oh, so-and-so has some homemade candy for you in the kitchen. And Mariah quips, um, it's, that's kind of funny, the big bad wolf giving little red white riding hood candy. That can't end well. It, it, I love the scenes between Victor and Mariah. I've said it before. She plays against him very well for such a young actress, because I'm sure he's not easy to share a scene with. But uh, I like that she gives as good as she gets. And there's a part of me that thinks maybe Victor respects that a little bit. Uh, so, But Mariah is the one that tells Victor that the wedding, uh, Nick and Sharon's re-wedding, is today. Otherwise, he would have no idea. He's completely on the outs with what's happening in that relationship. Um... I really, I felt like this week is probably the last of the wonderful moments between Nick and Sharon that we're going to have, at least for a little while. I Again, I think they're going to, they're, Wyanner's clearly kind of dropping these seeds along the way. They don't want to blow up all the storylines at once. They're kind of letting it uh, out slowly. That's why I think Phyllis isn't going to find out about the Jack and Kelly thing for another week or two, but I do you think the, the the Sharon secret is just about to come out? Um, and I really enjoyed the the final uh, the, the nice quiet moments we had this week. There was a beautiful lovemaking scene between Nick and Sharon. Uh, it was just very slow and tender, and both telling the other how they feel and and uh, about just being married once again and you know how they both feel loved and supported at this point in their life and they're looking forward to their future um and then the the 
everyone in the wedding party got dressed. It was Noah and Mariah and Faith and Nick and Sharon, and they had this fun family photo sequence. Um, Noah's taking pictures, and they're all posing nicely, and then um, kind of funny, and then there was some cute pics of Nick and Sharon kissing, and it was just, uh, it was a lovely little photo sequence. I really appreciated that, and I loved what followed, which was Mariah coming around. This is now, uh, this uh, second wedding has allowed Mariah to feel more like a part of the family, and she admitted that. And it's so cute to watch her go, like, to watch Mariah not wanting this intimacy with Sharon or feeling uncomfortable by the uh, loving relationship with her mother, um, but but not really being able to deny that she likes it. And, and Mariah did admit this week that she feels like a part of their family and she does love uh, love. Well, I don't know if she said I love you, Sharon, but it was a good it was a good moment between mother and daughter and and acceptance. And I I hope that that sticks around. Even even after the uh, the big blow up happens, uh, because uh, while all this is going on at Nick and Sharon's house, Victor's up at the ranch going over that DNA evidence. He's got you know he's looking at the wine glass, looking at the hairbrush, like thinking I don't know is he gonna figure it out. I honestly I thought as as that was going on I thought what is he even doing with this? It's over. The test is over. Who cares? It's, uh, Faith is is Nick's daughter. What are you going over the DNA results for? There's nothing else to be found here, Victor. And sure enough, that's not quite what happened later in the week. But he ends up going down to see Nick and Sharon, uh, and he issues them a warning. This is going to be bad for you if you continue to, to go through with this wedding. And, um, of course, it makes him look like the bad guy. I think some of that's going to be shifted uh, later on in the week. He, he goes back up to the, the ranch, and Summer happens to stop by and they're kind of talking about Phyllis and how she seems a little different uh, and could it be the medication or Summer's just trying to talk to Victor and then all of a sudden out of the corner of her eye she looks over at the desk and says Grandpa what's my hairbrush doing here? Am I the only one that did not pick up on that at all? I mean, obviously the revelation is, oh, the DNA test showed that it has nothing to do with Faith. If it's Summer's hairbrush, then we're showing a match between Summer and Nick. I had no idea. Was Were you watching all this time? No, like, was there a scene? Please tell me. If you, if you respond, leave me a comment about nothing else this week. Tell me this. Was there a scene where Summer left her brush? At, at at Nick and Sharon's and, and Faith picked it up. Did, did I miss it? Because I had no idea that that was Summer's brush. And if this entire time everybody else knew I'm going to feel like such a fool. So please tell me, was that a shock to you as, as much as it was to me? I mean, I, I've been talking weeks and weeks about this whole paternity thing and it never once occurred to me that it was Summer's brush. But if it was not, if, if that was a, a twist... Bravo, YNR. I never would have, I never thought of that, never would have seen it coming, and totally appreciated it. Um, this is great. We saw from the previews of next week's show that Victor's gonna tell Summer, I need to tell you something. Again, I just, I doubt that he's even gonna tell her, I don't know, but uh, it's gotta be getting close. Um, we, we, uh, the very end of Friday's show also ended with Phyllis 
showing up at Sharon's door and, and now that she's gotten Nick out of the way and the preview also showed that Phyllis takes Sharon into the stairwell so um, it may very well be that Summer's finding out from Victor at the same time that uh, that Phyllis and Sharon are finally having their stairwell showdown Ugh. It's got, it's gonna be good. I think next week's show is gonna be really, really good. Um, <laughs> I feel very strongly that uh, Nick and Sharon fans of one I am I am one. I think we have had our time to enjoy the the wonderful romance and the fun and two weddings. Nick and it's been a Nick and Sharon extravaganza over the past month. We have had our time to enjoy that, and now. I think the fans who are not Sharon fans, uh, I think Sharon's enemies are going to have the chance now to really enjoy and really relish in her downfall. Joe Cook is my favorite new character on the show. I mean, well, I guess I got... Uh, Gina recast as Phyllis is so good for me. But but he's a new, new character. He's my favorite new, new character on the show in a while. He's just... And yes, it has everything to do with his looks. <laughs> I mean, he seems like a good actor. I like the way he delivers his lines. He's very smug. I think it fills a spot. I need a sexy villain. And that was a sexy villain, but with a heart. Maybe some regret. Uh, sprinkled in there. And Adam was the one that filled that void, or, or what filled that space for me. And he's been gone, and so now I just, I love Superman Joe. I wish he would have been dressed as Superman for Halloween, because he, he's definitely giving me Superman vibe. I'm going to have to have a nickname for him. I think I'm going to call him Superman Candy. <laughs> You know I really like him if I give him a nickname. <laughs> and I, Sex Wolf has been gone for so long. And Sex Fox, Alex, uh, it's, they've been gone. So Superman Candy is <laughs> my new man. I'm really enjoying him on the show. Also, the other reason I think I'm enjoying him is because he represents a business storyline uh, that, of course, is tied into personal. But he shares his business plan with Kane this week, which, by the way, I enjoy that he knows Kane. I enjoy that he comes with a built-in friendship. So that's really cool. Um, I think they play off of each other well. But um, Joe tells Kane this week that, oh, I love it, he's, he's an evil commercial real estate developer. Love it! I love this story. Um, he is planning on buying up the, some buildings in the warehouse district and uh, turning them into, uh, I guess, a shop, you know, maybe a shopping center or a mall or... I don't know, paving paradise and putting up a parking lot, I guess, is his thing. Uh, but uh, the unfortunate part of it that Kane realizes is that Dylan is going to be the loser here, that one of the buildings is is Dylan's. I guess 
I don't know. I assume Bill and Dylan owned the building, but apparently not. Apparently someone else owns the building, but Dylan just does everything with it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, when that building sells, uh, Dylan is going to have to relocate his business, which is not the end of the world, by the way. I mean, I, it is inconvenient and everything. But if you're leasing, surely you have to realize that it could be temporary. It's not going to destroy your business. I mean, it's heightened, you know, for the drama. But I mean, in reality, it's you can just move, Dylan. It's not going to destroy your world. But I, 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 th I think Joe is happy if it does destroy his world. Um, Kane is trying to you know, t tell Joe, you know, this deal might not be, uh, it's not good for the little guy, and Kane's kind of going soft, but Joe's all about how, you know, what a great, you know, business, it's a rush to do these kind of deals. Um, he, Joe did uh, mention that he's not the financier of this project, so he's not doing this, um, he doesn't seem to control the, he doesn't control the purse, so he is just coming in as a bro to broker the deal. But my question is, who's his boss? And could it be someone who does have it out for Dylan, or is that just a happy coincidence? Maybe he's connected to Ian Ward. Everything, everything I theorize now is someone connected to Ian Ward. I'm trying to think of who Dylan's enemy could be. I don't know. Maybe that's not the direction it'll be going in, but I, I couldn't help but wonder. I, I do, it's, it's, this storyline has put Kane in the middle once again. I like it. I like seeing more Kane because Kane's kind of friends with Dylan and he's, he knows Joe as an associate. So he's kind of in the middle of this. And, um, also I think Kane has been struggling with this new career choice of his. He doesn't feel like, uh, running the athletic club is very exciting. It's great that he gets to spend this time with his wife and family, but it's not the most exciting career path. And Joe kind of knows that, and there's a little bit of banter going back and forth. And I loved how Joe was talking about the most important, the number one motivating factor in business is, and Colin comes up behind him and says, money. <laughs> I can't do an Australian accent. I gotta learn. Uh, but, you know, Colin gets up in it and he is uh, wanting to know all the details of what, what Joe's got going on. And he's sort of nudging Kane in the direction of, hey, hey, wouldn't you like to get up involved in this business? My son, he's pretty good at business. Clearly, uh, Kane, er, Colin believes that Kane should be doing something else with his life. But not only that, as an added bonus, Colin is seeing that there's some money to be made and that there may be a little bit of an in here uh, with this Joe guy, uh, yeah, and it could be a way to pay off his debts, because Colin's still got that hanging over his head, and um, maybe people didn't really want to see him laundering money out of Fenmore's, and I didn't want to see that, so uh, maybe YNR switched that storyline a little bit, and he's going to get up in there and help Joe. I like it. I think that's a good trio. Kane and Joe and Colin, there's going to be some good scenes for, uh, in there, I'm enjoying. I, I really, I think that's got a lot of potential. It's getting Kane thinking about business again, which I like. He needs to, you know, to come back from just being a family man, maybe have a career of his own. I am noticing that there have been quite a few private scenes between Lily and Joe, and I'm not sure if it's just that Lily is drawing out what Joe's internal dialogue is, or if there's something more going on because. 
it seems Joe is always revealing to her that yes, I love my career, I'm very driven, but I have sat I have sacrificed my personal life for my career. That hurt my marriage to Avery. I think that if I had it to do all over again, I I would have a, a wife and kids. I would have more of what Kane has. And I, I I don't know if that's where it ends or if there might be a little something to a Joe and Lily relationship. I wonder if it kind of seems like maybe Joe and Kane are going to switch places. Like maybe Joe's kind of ready to settle in and Kane's ready to ramp it up. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But at, at the, the very end of this arc uh, for, for the week, Dylan gets the phone call from his landlord that uh, the lease is up and he he only has two months for Avery to convince Joe not to sell the building uh, and then and, and then Joe asks her to sleep with him to save Dylan's business. Michael has to go in for his biopsy this week to find out if he does have cancer. The storyline's getting in my head already because well, was it the other night, it was maybe like last night or two nights ago, uh, I watched YNR before I went to bed and then I went to bed and I had a dream I had cancer. So thanks YNR. <laughs> thanks for putting all of this positivity into my mind. <sighs> It's sad. It really is sad. Michael is preparing himself for this biopsy. He's being very suspicious. Uh, Kevin ends up catching him being suspicious and thinks, is Michael having an affair? That's automatically what they go to when someone's being suspicious, an affair. <laughs> and Kevin does confront Michael about it. An affair? Have you seen my wife's hair? <laughs> Why would I leave a woman who has hair? Like she did this week. <laughs> ah, I had so many people calling in and leaving comments about Lauren's hair on, oh shoot, what, maybe it was Wednesday or Thursday show. Believe me, I know, I saw that hair. <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. But hey, you know, you can't, can't knock it out of the park every single day. So I, I forgive them. I forgive the stylists for that. Uh, but Michael does uh, tell, you know, Kevin, of course I'm not having an affair. Um, and he kind of admits in a roundabout way how he feels about what's going on with him without, you know, giving the specifics. He, you know, Michael is someone who likes to control things, he likes to know the outcome, and he likes to be able to prepare for it. And this is something that he can't control, and he can't know the outcome, and he cannot prepare for. So this has really thrown him for a loop. He ends up getting the biopsy without telling anyone, and he comes home to find Lauren dressed in her Halloween, her private Halloween costume, which is a sexy nurse. Oh, Lauren, the irony of that <laughs> Halloween costume. Can you show me where it hurts? <laughs> oh man, could that could that dress have been any shorter? By the way, if it was any shorter, it would have been crotchless. <laughs> and I noticed too that I mean, she's so tiny, she's so busty, but she's so tiny. Like that dress was teeny tiny. It's like a, it's probably like baby size dress. And it was even loose on her around the arms. I'm like, geez. <laughs> 
Hey, I got a hand it to her. She's got a rockin' bod, and there ain't nothing wrong with showing that off. I thought she looked good. Um, <clears throat> she's in the process of showing uh, her husband her sexy a uh, little Halloween costume for him. And I laughed because they're just, you know, she's getting ready to smooch up on him and he's, he's like squirming around like, eh, I just had a biopsy. I can't do this. And uh, there's a knock at the door, saved by the knock. And it's Kevin going, hey guys, I brought my own treats. <laughs> I just loved that they're trying to have this sexy moment. And then annoying Kevin is like, hey guys, I got candy. <laughs> It was funny, but Lauren has to go in and do a costume change. Kevin comes in and he again confronts Michael about what's going on. And of course, uh, Kevin thinks they're alone. And he says to Michael, look, if you're having an affair, just tell me. And of course, Lauren overhears that because this show could be retitled The Young and the People Who Accidentally Overhear Things. <laughs> And uh, she can't let it go. She can't unhear the word affair. Um, she knows that she loved Michael as much as he loved her, and she still had an affair anyway. So she does confront him. She confronts Kevin, confronts Michael, is trying to get to the bottom of this. Michael insists that he loves her. But it's not an affair. I, I, I want him to tell her, but at the same time, I think I understand that Michael just doesn't want to worry her and everyone else if it's it's nothing. I, I don't think he's coming from a place of deception or secrecy. I think it's because he loves his family that he doesn't want to tell them. Lily is convinced that Hillary is pregnant and she's telling Kane this just as Neil walks in and overhears Oh, yeah, you know, his hearing works real great. Like, he can hear the phrase, Hillary is pregnant from a mile away, but hearing another man in her hotel room, no sense of that whatsoever. <laughs> this, sto this story, uh, it's just so far-fetched. That's the problem. Uh, whatever. Devon has heard Lily's theory, too, about uh, Hillary being pregnant, and he actually goes and confronts her and asks her if she's pregnant. She says, of course, no, 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 no. He just never stops cornering her. Um, he never stops pursuing her. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm not pregnant, but, but, but they agreed that this was the end, and then it's only a couple days later, and he's already trying to convince her to come back with him, or that there's a way that they can be together, and this time, Devon comes up, ugh, he tells her that he has a compromise, okay? Devon's compromise is that ugh, she can stay married to Neil and then just have an affair behind Neil's back. That's, that's the big compromise, okay? So basically, what you're already doing right now, that's the compromise, Going on, it's going on with what it, exactly what you're doing already. Devon! Where are your morals? Where? Oh, they've been uh, compromised, right? I am so disappointed with him. He, he's, he's not the one that has to go home and go to bed with Neil. He's not the one that has to lie in bed next to him at night. It's easy enough for him to say, yeah, let's just continue on with this affair. But he doesn't have to live with Neil. 
it's so selfish. It, all of this is selfish of Devon. It's selfish of him uh, with his relationship with his father. It's selfish of him with his relationship with her. If he really loved her, maybe he would stop pressuring her. <sighs> that, I, and he said something like, well, I don't know any other way that we could be together. Well, okay, here's a weird idea. Maybe you could just tell Neil. He's blind, not deaf. Just tell him. You're not saving him from getting hurt at the end of the day. Neil gets hurt either way. So just tell him. And now they think that they're going to just try to convince Kane that it's over so that they can move on and keep having this affair in secret. It's not going to work. Everyone gets hurt. Comment time! Okay, Michael called in and left me a voicemail this week and mentioned that pretty much it feels like Leslie has been exchanged for Hillary. And I never really thought about it that way before, but it, YNR was really allowing Leslie to be on the scene. She was up in, even at the beginning stages of Neil and Hillary's relationship, and then she was just gone. It does kind of feel like YNR just decided to sideline Leslie and swap her out for Hillary instead. I thought that was a really interesting point and something I never thought of before. Um, Michael also was kind of taking my comments about Phyllis uh, being played by uh, Gina Tognoni as opposed to Michelle Stafford. He was kind of taking my comments sort of to the next uh, level. I, I was talking last week about how I just felt like Michelle Stafford had become too big for the room, uh, too big for the scene, and Michael was kind of taking it a step further and saying, you know, Michelle Stafford just got to be annoying. And it's kind of funny because I also, I guess it was two weeks ago, got a voice message from Anna who mentioned that she was uh, deciding to pick up General Hospital and watch General Hospital. She called me back this past week and said, yeah, my General Hospital experiment only lasted three days. But it's kind of uh, interesting because last week uh, I had just some spare time and I was like, well, I could watch a movie. There's nothing I really want to watch. And so because Anna had mentioned she was started watching General Hospital, I thought, all right, let me just see. So I go on YouTube, I watch two episodes of General Hospital, and it's fine, it's easy to pick up. I'm a YNR girl for sure, but oddly, <laughs> Michelle Stafford kind of turned me off of, of General Hospital. I thought, you know, I was just sort of feeling kind of glad to be done. I feel really bad. I, I, I don't want to disparage Michelle Stafford because I don't think she did anything wrong. I don't think she's a bad actress. It, it just, there's just something that it just it's not clicking with me as well. And honestly, I probably would have maybe picked up a couple more episodes of General Hospital, but I felt turned off by the same annoying qualities that Phyllis had as the character she's now playing on General Hospital. Like, she's constantly repeating her lines and just trying to be bigger than the other person in the room and I understand part part of that is whatever character she's playing but it just it comes off as overbearing and just too much uh, I, I probably would have watched a couple more episodes but I was just like I was just feeling kind of glad to be done with her so I stopped eh, sorry uh, Jennifer Budin on YouTube says 
Phyllis remembers everything. She knows about Kelly, and she remembers the so-called secret. Remember, she was at both houses. She knows everything. This is evil Phyllis. Remember the anti-coma juice? <laughs> I think that's a very interesting point, and uh, at the very end of Friday's show, the way Phyllis showed up at Sharon's door and said, trick or treat, there was something about that that did give me evil Phyllis vibe. I kind of think, though, I, I don't, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that the doctor was saying over and over, look, she may be different. There may be something different about her. That's got to mean something. And this may be it. It may be that this version of Phyllis is bad to the bone. I, I On the alternate side of that, I think, well, I wonder if there's any chance she's going to take Sharon up through that stairwell because she wants to remember, too. I mean, she said on multiple occasions, I have feelings or flashbacks or memories or about things, but I don't know if they're memories. So maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe Phyllis is confused, but there is a very real part of her that is wanting revenge. Um, Astraberry on YouTube says, Hi, Allie. I think Phyllis always knew the big secret. She was just waiting for November sweeps to reveal everything. Ah, yes. Yes, yes. Very good. Uh, Starlight1228 on YouTube says, You mentioned why, why Phyllis hates Sharon, uh, and that just proves what Kelly's fate will be. The new nemesis for Phyllis, again, the result of another woman stealing the feelings of her man. I want, do you really think Jack and Kelly are going to be back together? You guys tell me. Do Who do you think is Jack is going to end up with? Um, I don't know why, but I just feel like maybe Kelly's going to be left out in the cold on this one. Um, Aaron Brody on YouTube says, I am so tired of Victor and him twisting things around to make himself look like the hero. Yes, you brought back Phyllis without any disregard for her life or well-being using experimental drugs. You tricked Summer into signing the consent forms, and you lied to Nikki again uh, about where you were for the hundredth time, and not once has he apologized to anyone for any of it. And by the way, anyone for anything. I'll add that. I don't think Victor's ever apologized for anything he's ever done, ever. Um, Aaron continues, the only reason why he did uh, get Phyllis out of the coma was uh, to get ammunition against Sharon. If Sharon had no secret that could hurt Nick, do you think Victor would be worrying about Phyllis in a coma? Hell no! I agree, and I could not have said it better myself, and it ties in with something that Nippy Fan um, uh, on YouTube, that is the YouTube username, but called into my voicemail this week for the first time, which was cool. Um, Nippy Fan said, um, Victor's obsession with uh, Sharon is because his ego is hurt. She didn't want him. And I thought, you know, that is exactly what I was thinking all, all week, and I didn't get tie it in when I was talking earlier, but I 100% was thinking that. Why is it that Victor goes to um, Sharon right before the wedding? He finds out that Nick and Sharon are getting married, so he goes down to the main house and he confronts Sharon. Why is it about confronting Sharon? If Victor's intentions are pure and he wants to save his son from being hurt, why not have that conversation with Nick? Why not go to Nick and say, son, I'm concerned about this. I mean, this doesn't even sound like Victor. But why not approach it with Nick? Why go to Sharon? And I think what Nippy Fan was saying, it, it rings really true. I think it's because Victor wants to bust Sharon in the same way that Phyllis does out of revenge. 
Um, Gary had called into my voicemail this past week and was uh, talking about an article that he saw in Soap Opera Digest, which I love. I'm kind of jealous because I wish I got that magazine because because Gary had also mentioned there was an article about Michael Mooney, which I I, I um. I looked online to try to find that article if I could read it myself. I guess Michael Mooney kind of talked out for the first time about uh, everything that happened with him being let go from YNR. And I searched around on the internet and couldn't find it. So I'm a little jealous that I didn't get to see that. I want to hear exactly what Michael Mooney had to say. Um, but uh, primarily, Gary was reading an article about YNR and how they have been doing a really good job lately of incorporating the history of the show into the current storyline, with the exception of Nikki and Stitch. Um, Nikki is now at the point where she's learning about Stitch's past, having killed his father, and YNR has failed to mention that Nikki killed her own father. I hope that that's a brilliant point, Gary, and I thank you for bringing it up to me because I, 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 I it didn't, it was in the forefront of my mind and I'm hoping that YNR is maybe going to address that a little bit down the road because that could I mean Nikki could be the one to kind of help Stitch incorporate back into the society at Genoa City she more than anyone even more than Ashley probably understands uh, what, what Stitch has been through even though Stitch didn't ultimately uh, kill his father it's something that I think Nikki could really identify uh, with him about and I think that's a cool point um, Michael Brackens on Facebook said, uh, in response to my poll question last week, I put up a poll at yrchat.com about Maureen. What's her intention? Is she a, a villainous or is she harmless? And Michael had mentioned he thinks that she's Ian Ward's conniving sister. I like that. I know that I always think that everybody's connected to Ian Ward, but I just think she is. It's too convenient that she's right there pushing Nikki over the edge. And I can't think of anyone else who would have it out for Nikki at this point in place. Uh, so I think uh, I think that's a really good theory. I like it. Uh, Gina had called into my voicemail and said, the whole love potion thing is corny, but if it's going to be a love potion, it's going to be a love potion. <laughs> I've heard a couple people say that, that the, the, the love potion is a little lackluster. I don't know why I like it. I'm willing to take this leap. I mean, for crying out loud, if I can believe that Neil's walking around blind and not catching the fact that his son and his wife are having an affair, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take the leap and believe in a love potion. <laughs> Um, Half My Cake on YouTube says, You notice how Billy says he's 100% ready to move on with Chelsea while still rocking his wedding ring. I guess not, Billy. Ooh, that's a good point. You know I love that point, Half My Cake. Uh, and, and she also says, Adam returns Wednesday, November 5th. Set your calendar. Eee! I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I think it's going to be really good. Um... It's funny, uh, Gary had also mentioned in a voicemail to me earlier in the week about that clip on the talk. The talk had done an interview series with maybe five of the new cast members, and I watched it. I usually don't. It, it was the day that I was born and watched General Hospital. <laughs> I watched the clip from the talk where new Adam was on it, um, and I, I don't have any really huge impressions yet. It's kind of hard to tell. I don't really like watching interviews with the actors. I know that's weird, and it was so uncharacteristic of me to see that one, because I just, I kind of think 
part of the reason I got turned off by Michelle Stafford was because I saw a panel interview where she was on it and I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't connecting with her whole vibe. Like there was something about her that just seemed a little egotistical to me and I really think it was after that point that I started getting kind of sick of, of Phyllis or seeing her in a different light. So I tend to want to steer clear of those things but I saw that interview too Gary and um I, th I think it's interesting. Uh, I, of course, I also love seeing Joe, the guy who plays Joe in that one, uh, and and Gina and 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 Tognoni and Burgess, and I don't know the guy who plays Joe's name, but I'll have to figure that out so I can lust after him appropriately. Uh, it was a good, uh, good, good, good discussion, but I, I need to not do that too often. I don't want to be spoiled. I I, I want to enjoy the characters in my little bubble. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Anna had called into my voicemail this past week and was wondering who the mystery hooded woman was and she said was was that Adam dressed like a woman <laughs> uh, maybe uh, she, Anna also said I hope where this is going is not plastic surgery she's she said you know please tell me that the new actor is not going to be brought on under the guise of Adam was burned in the fire and had to get plastic surgery and now he happens to look like this. Anna was saying, please just let, you know, I don't want that complicated backstory. Just let the new Adam come onto the show on Friday. And it says the, the role of Adam Newman is now being played by Michelle Stafford. Okay, everybody, my vlogs are getting longer and longer right now, but it's sweeps, right? It's got to be sweeps season. I got to get it all out there. <laughs> There's a lot uh, to talk about. And now it's your turn. Please leave me uh, your comments. You can leave them on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can go to yrchat.com. You can call to my voicemail at area code 309-588-4569. Um, however works best for you. I love reading uh, hearing your comments. It means a lot to me, so don't be shy. <laughs> okay, that's it. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye!